Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, well, it's great to be with you, whether that's here at Gastry Central or watching online. We are loving just taking time out to meet with Jesus together. Now, who here is getting excited about having a haircut? Who's desperately exact? Apologies for those watching on. Look at my hair. So I'm rather desperate for that. If you need a haircut online, you can put up a scissor emoji. But the rest of us, things are beginning to open up. Hope is coming, is on the horizon. Hey, today I want to take a moment and we're going to look at a story of Jesus clearing the temple and what that means for us today. But I want to say this, God is always at work building His church. God is always at work building His church. He is never, ever limited by the circumstances of life. When the pandemic hit and church buildings had to close, people began freaking out. Is this the end of the church? What's going to happen? Are people ever going to gather back? How will the church survive? Or do you know what happened? The church, the people of God adapted. And suddenly YouTube and uh, Zoom and Instagram and Facebook became our new gathering places, our cathedrals, our temples as it were, for us to meet together. And what did we experience? We experienced Experience, hopefully, as you're watching online today, God's presence in our rooms, in our kitchens, in our bedrooms, as God began to pour out His Spirit, because God is always building His church. He is never, ever limited by something like technology or the circumstances of life. And actually, what we found, things like Alpha have exploded right throughout the whole of the UK. More people engaging with Alpha, asking questions around faith, kind of gathering on Zoom to explore the big meaning of life more than ever before. God is at work. And not only that, we've seen the church rise up and step out, not just to talk about Jesus as good news, but to demonstrate this good news in practical Necessary and important ways such as food delivery services, debt advice and counselling through befriending, through opening up churches as vaccination centres. I don't know if you saw this, but our Prime Minister last week at Easter, he, he said this. If there's one thing British Christians have shown us this year is that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. His teachings and the message of his death and resurrection permeate through every aspect of daily life. That's amazing. Let's give that one a round of applause. But he goes on to say, that's why I've lost count of the number of church leaders and congregations who have stepped up to support us in all these very challenging times. Millions of good Samaritans, each of them showing what loving thy neighbour as thyself really looks like in the 21st century Britain. Isn't that amazing? Because God is always at work building His church. And then last week, Easter Sunday, for the first time in a very long time, we began to open up the building. And we've done that again today. And throughout the day, both here at Gas Street Central and at Gas Street St. Luke's, people beginning to gather. We're adding new gathering times as we've heard. And we're exploring ways in which we can gather safely, securely, COVID uh, restriction and all that to meet with God. And we thought as a leadership team that it'd be a great moment to begin to look at the church 
What is the church? What is God's vision for the church? What do scriptures have to say about the church? What does the church need to look like 21st century UK? And we're actually going to start this series in a couple of weeks, but I'm so excited about it. I just thought I'd kind of whet our appetite. I want to look at this scripture in Matthew 21, just to begin to get us thinking about a vision and really to think about God's vision for us as the people of God. And if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 21. Starting at verses 12, it's going to come up on the screen, but you might want to follow it as well, just to make sure I'm not making it up. It says this, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house would be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. I love it. We just kind of scan through scriptures and we miss that. The blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he just healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple course, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, You, Lord, have called forth your praise. Simply put, what I want to speak on today is this. God's presence is for everyone. It is available everywhere. And don't you dare settle for anything less. Let's see, you know, God's presence is available for everyone. It's available everywhere. So don't you dare settle for less. And tragically, often in the church, as the people of God, we settle for less. We don't step into, tap into the full riches, the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. We fail to recognise the freedom and the joy that we can have in Him. Many years ago, I was invited to lead worship at a large conference in Australia. In Sydney, and, and I was so excited to be asked and excited to be able to make it. So I went ahead uh, with my assistant. We booked tickets, flight tickets. And I said, look, it's a church conference. You know, we've got to book the very cheapest ticket you can. We scanned the internet. We found uh, Air Austria uh, that flew from London to Vienna to Singapore to Sydney. And the journey took forever. 24 hours, it was miserable. The most disgusting food imaginable. You know, a sandwich between two rather large men and, you know, sweaty men as well. And the in-flight entertainment was rubbish. You know, I arrived in Sydney, exhausted, smelly, you know, just being through a bit of a battle but excited to be there. And one of the people who's involved in the conference picked me up and we were driving to the hotel where I was going to be staying. And and he said, how's your flight? You know, you lie at this point. said, oh, brilliant. Yeah, did you sleep? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, didn't sleep a wink. And he said, oh, we're really interested that you flew economy. I was like, well, (laughs) I've never ever flown anything but economy. He said, oh, because we emailed you and we, we said, if you want to, you can book yourself a business class ticket. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, because we, you know, we want you to arrive fresh and ready to go. And I was like, oh, you know, that's fine. You know, economy is much the best for me. Inwardly, I was like raging. And as soon as I got to the hotel, I ran up to my room, got out my phone and looked. Sure enough, in the email, you know, we can book you a business class ticket. I had missed that very important piece of information. And I was absolutely livid. 
I just had the most horrendous journey when I could have been lying in a bed, sipping champagne, living it up in business class. And can you imagine how painful it was on the flight back home? You know, when you do that thing, you have to walk through business class and you see all these people lying down and you go right to the back of the plane and you huddle in for 24 hours of torment. I settled for less, less than that was on offer. And in this story where Jesus clears out the temple, he rushes through and he clears out all the money exchange tables and all the people selling um, sacrificial lambs and doves. What he's effectively saying is expressing this righteous anger and he's saying to the people of Israel, to the Jews, you've settled for less. You've taken my temple, this place which represents the presence of God, the place where people would come to meet with God. And what you've done is you've excluded people and you've made it difficult for people to know and experience my love. You settled for less. And that's why Jesus expresses this rage and anger. At the Passover, when this story took place, Jerusalem would have been crowded full. Thousands of people returning. And the temple where they would gather would have been buzzing with life and activity. In the outer courts, you'd have people exchanging money so that people could you know, buy and sell things whilst they were in Jerusalem. You'd also have all of these tables full of, of lambs and doves where people would buy a lamb or dove so that they could offer up a sacrifice to atone for their sin. And it was just manic. Uh, the historian Josephus tells us that one Passover week around the time of Jesus, they bought and sold, people bought and sold 255,000 lambs to offer up as sacrifices. So just try and imagine how crazy this scene would have been. It'd been like a trading floor in London or New York. You know, everyone on the phone, buy high, you know, or buy low, sell high, whatever it is. And, and you've got all that going on and then you throw in tens of thousands of sheep and like doves flying all over the place. It was crazy. And these outer courts were the place where the Gentiles were allowed to gather to worship. They weren't allowed into the temple. They weren't allowed anywhere near the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwelt. It was a sign that they were excluded. They were not welcome. But if you're gonna come, well, then you stay right at the back. And because this place now was full of crazy activity, money being sold, um, exchanged and all of the stuff going on, the chance for them to have any meaningful engagement with God, any meaningful expression of prayer and worship was so limited. It was near impossible. How could you sit there and encounter God and bring your cares and woes before Him when everything around you was just crazy? And it's to this that Jesus enters and He begins overturning tables, money flying everywhere, doves flapping and squawking. I don't know if doves squawk, they probably coo, don't they? And, and sheep, lambs running all over the place. Absolute mayhem because Jesus is saying, how dare you? How dare you exclude people from my presence? Now this expression of anger and, and rage is, is quite uncomfortable for us. But it's important that we recognise this wasn't just a, you know, kind of in the moment kind of, expression of rage. This was intentional and thought through. We all know what it is, don't we? Just, just kind of suddenly flip, a switch goes, it comes out of us like, whoa, where did that come from? I remember um, before eight night kids, we were in London driving around this really busy, complicated roundabout. And I, I was pretty stressed and tired. And 
I'd missed the turning. So, you know, that thing, you have to loop back round again. And as we're coming back round, Rachel was going, it's this turning here, it's this turning here. And I was going, yeah, I know, I know. It's this turning here, it's this turning here. It's like, yes, 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 I know. And she kept saying, it's this. And then out of nowhere, I just went, I know, I know. And then I think I shouted about as loud as I ever shouted in my life. I know! I don't know where it came from. Rachel was shocked and pretty annoyed. I was shocked. I was so shocked that this kind of had come out of me that I then started to laugh hysterically. I was beside myself laughing, which made Rach even more annoyed. And we had to pull over to kind of sort out this little moment. But we've probably all experienced those moments. I know psychologists probably watching or in here thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I always thought something wasn't quite right. But we, we all have those moments, don't we? But this, let's be clear, this wasn't Jesus out of control. This was intentional. We read in Mark's gospel, when Mark tells the story of Jesus clearing out the temple, that the, the night before this event happened, it says this, Jesus entered Jerusalem. This is Mark 11, verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. <laughs> now, when I read that, I think it's Bethany a nightclub. You know, he went out to Bethany with the, with the 12, like going out to snobs. It's not. Bethany was a place where he was staying. So, so Jesus goes to Jerusalem. He enters into the temple and he sees everything that's going on. And then him and his disciples head home for the night. And then it's the next morning he turns up and he begins to clear the temple. There's this brilliant little book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, And he has this beautiful bit where he's almost imagining Jesus alone that night before entering the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, in John's Gospel, it talks about he, he had this whip, which he used to drive people out, almost kind of pulling together, making, constructing this weapon, thinking it all through, preparing himself to drive out the moneylenders, to overturn the tables, offering sacrifices, you know, this was planned. Jesus was expressing something so important to him that we need to take note of why would he do that? Why would he go to those lengths? What was he really trying to communicate for us today? And the first thing Jesus was really saying is, hey, my presence is for everyone. My presence is for everyone. The temple, the very place that represented a dwelling place where man, humankind would meet with God, it's for everyone. And he was so angry at the way the Gentiles were being excluded, were being cast out. Their life was being made miserable. The Jews were making it near impossible for them to engage with God. And so when Jesus in Mark's gospel clears out the temple, he says, my house will be a house of prayer. And what does he add? For all nations. This would have been a shock to the Jews because the Jews were awaiting a Messiah who would come, they believed, to purge the temple of all foreigners, to get rid of anyone who wasn't Jewish. And here was Jesus who proclaimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, saying, uh, 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 on, on the contrary, I'm not gonna get rid of anyone who's not the Jews. I'm not gonna get rid of the nations. I'm gonna gather the nations in and all will be welcome to receive and experience my love. When he talks about a house of prayer, prayer is basically that thing we do where we engage with God. It's not just these words we say or requests we have. Prayer at its very simplest is us standing before God, speaking to Him, receiving from Him, communicating with Him, spending time in His presence. Prayer ultimately is about relationship with God. And he's saying no one is ever to be exempt from that. 
as I've been reflecting on this passage of Scripture, I found myself thinking a lot about that Windrush generation who, when they turned up in the UK, many of them from the Caribbean were rejected from many of the churches, the Church of England churches, shamefully, horrendously. And some of the stories are just utterly awful of people saying, you're not to come back here. You're not welcome here. This isn't for you. Please don't come back next Sunday. Just so unbearably wrong. And I I found myself imagining Jesus, if he were present today in person, going through those churches, overturning the altars, overturning the pews, throwing out their hymn books and saying, how dare you? How dare you? Because my house is to be a house of prayer, a house where people can meet and receive my love and it is available for everyone, all nations, all people. Jesus is making a powerful point. But it, it wasn't just the Gentiles that were being rejected. In Matthew's gospel, the passage we read, the first thing Jesus does after clearing the temple is he begins to lay his hand on the blind and the lame and he heals them. And it's important to note that, again, the blind, the lame, uh, those who were deaf or mute, they were excluded from the temple. They were not allowed to offer up a sacrifice on account of their sin because the fear was that they would make the temple unclean. They would make the people of God, the Jews, unclean. And so they were kept away. And again, Jesus, I just love him. First thing he does is he makes a beeline to those that the temple and the Jews had kept out. And he said, you know, you don't need this temple. You need me. And look, the temple, you might be able to get in and offer up a sacrifice, but you're still gonna be blind. You're still gonna be lame. You're still gonna be deaf. You're still gonna be mute. But one touch from me, the Messiah, and you can be healed. Your sight can be restored. You can walk, you can be free. And actually in engaging with you, You're not gonna make me unclean because Jesus was perfect. I'm gonna make you clean. I'm gonna make you whole. I'm gonna restore you. Jesus again, welcoming everyone in, saying that his presence was for everyone. But even beyond that, something huge was happening as Jesus was clearing out the temple, making this huge point. He was also signposting people to what was to come that actually in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he was gonna make it possible for all people to experience and to know his presence everywhere. In many ways, he was making the temple in some ways redundant. This idea that you could only encounter and draw close to God in this temple. You do that for many people once a year in Jerusalem. That was the high point of meeting with God. Jesus was communicating that a day will come And that day happened and the resurrection of Jesus Christ where suddenly all of us, wherever we are, could know God's presence with us, could experience His love, could outwork and minister in the power of His Spirit wherever we go, wherever we are. I'm gonna do a very quick bit of theology, so bear with, okay, bear with. But I think it's worth it to remind us of what we have in Jesus Christ and encourage us to never ever settle for less. But The temple kind of harks all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If you've read the book of Genesis at the beginning, God created humankind, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve would walk freely in the garden with God. They were naked, but unashamed, 
living the dream, walking with God, chatting away, not feeling embarrassed. Just, it was perfect. It was awesome. And God just made one request that they mustn't eat from the tree of knowledge, the apple. But what do Adam and Eve do? That they disobey God that they want to take control of their lives. They don't trust Him. That they, they, they don't assume that God knows best. And so they take everything into their own hands and they eat the apple. And in eating that apple, they, they rebel against God. They turn their backs on Him. And so the consequences of that choice was that they were to be banished from the garden. And in Genesis 3, 24, we see this picture as they're leaving and suddenly they're aware of their nakedness and they're ashamed and they make fig leaves and clothes. I don't know if anyone's seen Adam and Eve in Minecraft, but, but classic, go watch it. Uh, they, 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 you know, they put all this stuff on and they're, they're leaving the garden of Eden and they look back and they see, this is in Genesis 3, 24, a flaming sword flashing back and forth. It's a devastating sight because what this is symbolising is that no one can now go back into the presence of God by themselves. No one can step back into the presence of God just in their own right. They'll be killed by this sword. There's something now that has separated a sinful, broken humanity from a perfect God. And we see the choices of humankind is easy to point the finger at Adam and Eve, but it's in us. These choices where we build our lives on power, on status, on our nationality, on our race, on our family, on money, on you know, moments of pleasure simply for ourselves. When we do that, we basically begin to see the impact of it on the world around us with wars and conflicts, violence, poverty, disease, and ultimately death. And this stuff is so deep and so great and so harsh that a perfect God needs to act with justice. Something huge needs to happen to put all of this right, to rewrite the wrong and form a new trajectory towards being able to enter into the presence of God. And so before the time of Jesus, the temporary solution was the temple. It started actually as a tabernacle that they'd moved from place to place. And then eventually they built this temple. And this temple was a way that the people of God could come and meet with their God. And the temple would have at the very centre, the Holy of Holies, this small kind of cuboid space. And all around the Holy of Holies was this thick veil, this thick curtain that was a reminder that any human that was to see the face of God, to see the presence of God, it'd be too much and they'd die. Again, that reminder that the people of God couldn't just relax and wander into the presence of God because of the sin of humankind. And once a year, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, the high priest of the temple would enter into the Holy Holies and he'd take a blood sacrifice on behalf of the people. Again, a reminder that is this blood sacrifice that enabled him to enter into the Holy of Holies without being killed. But even then they'd put a rope around his leg because they weren't convinced he'd come out alive. Such was the fear of the power, holiness, the otherness of God. And so this was the way it worked. The people would meet with God through these sacrifices but then you started to see in scriptures these amazing prophecies of a day coming when the whole earth would be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Reminds us of those times in the Garden of Eden, you know, Adam and Eve walking around, hanging out with God. 
making TikToks together. And, uh, you know, they're kind of imagining that moment where once again, God's presence wouldn't be simply contained within a temple, but it'd be everywhere. Enter Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he stepped into the earth, and he grew up and he lived a perfect, sinless life. He was tempted in every way. He experienced the worst humanity could throw at them. And in, in clearing this temple, he was kind of pointing people to what was about to happen on the cross. And when Jesus took the cross, basically he went under the sword. You know that flashing sword that separated people from the presence of God? On the cross, as Jesus' body was broken and bruised and crushed, the sword came down on him and it killed him. For three days he lay dead in a tomb, but on the third day he was raised back to life. And in being raised back to life, that sword was crushed and became redundant. It was defeated. And actually in that moment where Jesus breathed his last, we see that the veil by the Holy of Holies from top to bottom, it was torn wide open. It became obsolete, it became redundant. Again, the message was clear. God's presence is now accessible for everyone. The atonement, the sacrifice has been paid and it doesn't have to happen now once a year, once a week. It's happened once and for all. And so Jesus begins to say, more than the temple, I am the one who can meet with you. And he says that we, we are his temple. Each and every one of us, we make a brick up in the temple. And now encountering God doesn't just happen when we gather in a church. That's why when our church buildings close, it's not the end of the world because the church has never been about buildings. It's about a people. It's about a people filled with the spirit of the living God. And as I was preparing this, and it's beautiful in the worship, and Joe, why don't you come up, Joe Rivers and the team. Um, love just to move into a bit of worship. And this is what I feel God is saying. As I said, it's so important that we, we don't settle for less. We don't settle for less. But I think God wants to give us a fresh vision for what he can do in our everyday lives. That God wants to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. I love the fact that in the worship, I think it was Taku singing about, you know, those who are dry, those who are weary, those who are running on fumes, God filling us up. That's exactly what I was praying this morning. We haven't, we haven't talked. Um, I try not to talk to Taku, to be honest, but uh, no, no, I, I love Taku. But uh, I just thought, okay, this is, this is what God is wanting to say. And I think for some of us, we've been faithfully serving over the last year. It's been hard, you know, watching online. It's not the same as being in the room. Uh, there's something that happens when together we encourage one another. And, and for many of us, it's just been, it's a grind. Work's been tough or family life has been complicated or you're feeling lonely or you're feeling anxious about your health or whatever it is. And the danger is we just kind of shrivel up into survival mode. But I believe God is wanting to awaken us to say, no, 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 I wanna fill you with the power of my Holy Spirit, the same resurrected power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that overcame the power of that sword that separated humanity from God the Father has been dealt with and is alive in us. And we can now know God's goodness in our everyday living. 
For some of you, God's saying, let me back into your places of work. Let me back into your daily rhythms of life. Let me back into your family. Let me back into your finances. Don't try and hold them on your own. When we don't operate out of faith, when we allow our hearts and our minds to think small, we, we settle for less. We settle for less. For some of us, the thought of God healing a friend of ours who's sick is just unthinkable. Why is that unthinkable? Jesus healed the blind, healed the deaf, healed the lame. And He said that you, that's you and that's me, would see and do even greater things than He did. You know, for some of us, we, we just say, oh, you know, Birmingham, what's the hope? How is it ever gonna come to Christ? It's too much, you know, gang culture and uh, just some of the wicked things we see all around us. And we, we begin to think, oh my goodness, it's just, we, you know, we, we lose any sense of hope and perspective. No, we settle for less. Because the Word of God says, He that is in you, He that is in me is greater than He that is in the world. We are the light of the world called to shine in the darkness. And so I believe what God is wanting to do is to awaken fresh vision in our hearts and a new hunger for His presence because God came to make His presence available to everyone and make it available everywhere. So don't you dare settle for anything less than the fullness of God. You know, I am gonna land in a moment, but again, remember this. God didn't send His Son, Jesus Christ, to make bad people good. Christianity is not about morality. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Dead people alive. We were dead in our sins, but Jesus has come to bring us alive. And He's done that for a purpose so that we can carry this resurrected life into our places of work, where we live, amongst our families and amongst our friends. And when people experience the love and the life of Jesus Christ, they change, they change, they change, they change. So why don't we stand? If you're watching at home again, you might wanna stand just as a way of saying, God, I'm not gonna sit back. I'm not gonna just get stuck in ways of meeting with you, but I believe you've got more for me. And Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh on us? In a moment, the guy's gonna lead us. Can we go back into that? Um, Come rest on us, that song. There we go, beautiful. Sorry, killing a moment. But this is a good thing. You don't need a shabbat pad for the Spirit of God to come. He comes when we ask. Again, Taku was singing that about God's Spirit coming. Those words aren't Taku making it up. They're not just words from a song written by a songwriter. They're the words from the mouth of Jesus Christ Himself, that when we ask, His Spirit comes to Lord Jesus. You promised that when we ask, You'd pour out Your Spirit. You'd pour out Your Spirit upon us. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You've come and You've made a way. You've made a way that we can experience Your love wherever we are, wherever we go. Lord, we, we don't need to, to get caught up simply in, in religious practices, in a system and a structure where it's all dependent on us. But Lord Jesus, because of your sacrifice once for all, we can know your love, we can know your forgiveness. And Lord, I thank you that your vision for our lives isn't simply just to save us from death to life, but your vision for us is that we might live in the life that you have for us, fullness of life fullness of life. And Lord, now for those 
And I include myself in this, people. I include myself in this. Those who are feeling dry, those who are feeling desperate, those who are longing for a fresh touch of God, those who are wanting to move beyond just, I, I, I know up here, God, that you love me. I maybe have felt it in my heart once or twice before. I, I, I'd love to feel that again, just overwhelmed by your mercy, overwhelmed by your kindness, full of hope, full of vision, even in the midst of the challenges of life. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Whether you're here on site or watching online, just breathe in, breathe in, breathe in the Spirit of God. He's here, He's here, He's here. We're going to give this some time. tears, tears amongst us where we're just overwhelmed by your love, overwhelmed by what you've done for us. Lord, I pray for physical manifestations of your spirit at work here. We, we don't want to settle for anything less, anything less than a sovereign move of God. waiting as I said we're going to give this some time so just relax into it um, if you're if you feel God's just beginning to meet with you you're experiencing something maybe it's a, a warmth in your chest or just you feel your eyes prick, pricking with tears just raise a hand I'm not going to call you up to the front because we can't move around but uh, I just think we want to start to bless what God is blessing okay so people are raising their hands Lord you know and you see and I just pray for more Increase what you're doing, Lord, on your people, in your people, through your people. Increase it. And if you haven't got a hand up, that doesn't mean God's not meeting with you. This doesn't mean God's Spirit's not upon you. But we want to flow with what God's Spirit is doing rather than deciding ahead what He is going to do. Because it never really works that way. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. I can just see God beginning to rest on people. Some of you, just in the last moments, have began to experience the tangible presence of God. What is that? It's like just this sense of you're close, God. You're close. You're here. I can almost feel it.
moment we're going to start to worship, but I think some, there are some people here, you've been suffering with panic attacks. I think God wants to come and bring his peace and he wants to take those panic attacks away. I think they um, want us to pray into skin conditions, eczema, psoriasis. I want to pray that God brings healing to those. Also, I think there are one or two people here, you've, you've um, struggled with your hearing. Maybe you're deaf in an ear or your, your hearing is deteriorating. We want to pray for those of you who have that. And so, also, um, is there anyone who, who this coming week, you've got a really important business meeting? I think you may be proposing a business deal or you've got something really, maybe it's an interview, but something really important around business this week. If, if that's you, you just raise a hand. If it's not, don't make it up. But if that's you, just raise a hand. I just want to pray over you. Anyone who's got a really important business meeting this week, I'm not going to call you to the front, I'm not going to do anything, but I just want to pray for you. And if, if, if that's wrong, is that there? Okay. Okay. I want us just to pray for this gentleman. Lord, I pray. I thank you that you care about our, our working. You never separate your presence from being in church and being in the workplace. And Lord, I just pray for favor. I pray for great wisdom and great boldness. I pray uh, whatever it is that needs to happen this week, that I pray just that it would go incredibly well. It actually go way beyond whatever you can think or imagine. Lord, I just pray for, for peace, clarity, wisdom, and boldness, and your blessing on that. In the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. And, and, and for those of you, those skin conditions, ears, and um, what was the other thing I said? Pump? Panic attacks, yeah. Again, if, if, you, if you're one of those, we won't ask you, we won't gather around you because we can't, but just raise a hand and we're just gonna pray for healing. If you're, if you're, so Lord, you see again these conditions, uh, things going on in people, Lord, bring your healing. Bring your healing. Bring your healing, Lord, again. Uh, what I wanna pray is that you'd remind us as the people of God that these stories we read about of healings, miracles, wonders, they didn't stop happening 2,000 years ago when you ascended to the heavens. They're available for us today. And Lord, I, I, I know, I, and I long for, as the pastor of this church, that you'd awaken us to, to be hungry for more, more expecting, believing that you can do the miraculous. So come, Lord, come, Lord. Pour out your spirit, bring your healing. Bring your healing. We're gonna worship now. If, if God does heal you, let someone know, email us. Hello at gastric.church. Um, tell your gastric group leader. But why don't we worship and then uh, Tebo and Sophie, you come and continue to lead us. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at gastricchurch.